Now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hopalong John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all-around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, yearn to wade in a high Sierra or Alaska stream, or just look forward to taking the kids out to one of our local lakes to chase trout, crappie, or bass, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California, Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. Rod and Real Radio brought to you by El Cajon Ford at Broadway and Main or online at ElCajonFord.com. Whether it's time for a new or used car or truck or you need to take advantage of San Diego's best quick lane for service with genuine Ford parts, brand name tires at competitive prices, remember nobody beats El Cajon Ford. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Real Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Hey, thank you, Mark Larson, and welcome to another Sunday edition of Ron Real Radio, Southern California. I am your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Stan Vandenberg and Winnie Toshar, they're usually with me on Sunday night, but they are both unavailable, so... It's just going to be me at the helm tonight, but we've got a great show lined up for you tonight. Starting off right out of the gate, we're going to have Jerry Mayhew. He's the director of the Saltwater Bass Series. He's going to talk a little bit about the 2015 series and what's in store for fishermen coming to fish the circuit in 2016. Then later on at 6 o'clock, we're going to have a fisherman that is only one other angler has done what he's accomplished in the entire history of the Bassmasters. Charlie Sims, professional angler, is going to be with us. We're going to find out what Charlie has done that hasn't been done in Bassmasters since 1990. He'll be on at 6 o'clock. And then if we can catch up with him, because I know he's just coming back from his uh, favorite sheep's head hole, Captain Ray Summers, owner-operator of the Vendetta Sports Fishing out of H&M Landing, He's going to be with us. Ray has been going out and consistently hammering fish for this entire season. We're going to see what the secret is and just get updated on what's happening on our offshore waters right now. So great show lined up for you tonight. Also, as always, Phil Friedman will be calling in with a saltwater report, and Captain James Nelson will be with us for the inshore report. So it's a great show that we got lined up for you tonight, and let's start it off right now. Hey, this fella is the director of the Saltwater Bass Series. We've seen this series grow from its infancy to what it is today, one of the premier saltwater series in the Southern California area, Jerry Mayhew. Hey, Jerry, welcome to the show. Hey, John, good evening. How are you? Hey, we are doing great, and I've got to tell you, is this not been a great uh, you know, what can you tell, uh, 12, 18 months to be going out and fishing for uh, calico, spotties, and, and all types of bass off our local waters? Yeah, you know, this year was, it was fantastic. We had some records set this year in uh, actually both the regions, the Bay region and the Inshore Islands region. Fishing was great. Uh, it was It was outstanding. 
Man, and, you know, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about the saltwater bass series because you've got – You've got different ways to fish this depending on the expertise or the comfort level of the fishermen. So give us a little bit of idea how you've structured uh, the saltwater bass series. Absolutely. Um, you know, I run two different regions. I run a bay region, which uh, really caters to the small boat guys and the big boat guys. You know, there's a lot of guys with really nice boats. We uh, target specifically spotted bay bass doesn't take much. I know we've had previous anglers of the years uh, fish in small aluminum boats. They've just got to be Coast Guard approved with a working live well. Uh, very, very, uh, how do you say, close to home. Uh, easy for the small boat guys. They can be just as competitive. Then we have the inshore island regions where we open up uh, the islands and the local coastal areas. Basically, no boundaries. These guys target calico bass and sand bass. Um, these guys are, are running the bigger bay boats, making runs. And uh, so there's different ways to get into the championship. I normally run a two-day championship. Uh, day one is a spotted bay bass. I'll double the weight or two and a half times the weight. Carry that weight into day two, which is an inshore event, which is calico bass and sand bass, to give... Uh, each region's qualifiers a fair shake at, at, you know, trying to win that Mercury motor uh, that I give away at the end of the year, along with tons of other stuff. So it's 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 quite great. It caters to all the interested saltwater bass. Wow. Let, let's talk about that uh, that first circuit you talked about, and that's the Spotted Bay Bass Tournament. You talked about fishing local waters. Exactly what bodies of water when you fish that circuit, are the guys going to look forward to fishing? Uh, in 2015, I've run events out of Long Beach Harbor, uh, actually the Long Beach area out of Alamitos Bay, which these guys were able to run to the Long Beach Harbor areas, Huntington Harbor, uh, Mission Bay, which to me is one of the prime spotted bay bass uh, fisheries on our coast, and then also San Diego Bay, which is right there too. San Diego hosts some of the best uh, spotted bay bass fishing there is and i normally have it opened up so if the venue is based out of san diego these guys can run to mission bay if they've done good pre-fishing and, and had pretty good success up the beach they can run up there obtain their catch and run back down to san diego bay or vice versa so i've opened it up these guys can basically run where they choose to come back with their biggest you know five fish weight of spotted bay bass you know, Jerry, uh, when talking about Spotted Bay Bass, we know Mission Bay is uh, a great fishery for quantities, but I've always been led to believe that uh, uh, fishing up in L.A. Harbor, Long Beach, Newport, that there are actually larger Spotted Bay Bass up there, but, but not necessarily the quantities that you find in Mission Bay. Now, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, uh, we had a, a record set for any or all Bay Bass tournaments uh, just under 12 pounds for a five-fish limit. Wow. Uh, was based in Alamitos Bay, and uh, I believe those guys caught that limit. That was uh, Scott Reason and Jim Opalecki. They stayed in Alamitos Bay, but I'll tell you what, Long Beach Harbor, L.A. Harbor, Huntington Harbor does not host the population, but, boy, there's some giants. And uh, if you can tap in to what those fish want, you can come away with a, a really big bag and, well, I tell you, it's uh, 
it's got the opportunity for, for record-setting weights as far as spotted bay bass. You're absolutely like, right. certainly sounds like it, it does. And and then when you get on to the other circuit, uh, you know, I know one year I ran a uh, an event out of Oceanside Harbor for the Saltwater uh, Bass Showdown, and I couldn't believe how many fishermen just in a, a small tournament like that Went out ahead of time, went all the way to San Clemente Island to fish calico bass and made it back still in time for a uh, uh, a 3 o'clock weigh-in. I mean, some of those guys, the way they venture out, but I tell you, sometimes the reward is pretty good. Absolutely. And these guys are running some pretty nice bay boats. You know, they're running motors of, of upwards of, you know, the 250s, uh, 200s, even the 150-class uh, motors. These guys, I'm running a, you know, for my inshore island region events, these are 12-hour events. They run from 4 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, unlike the Bay Region, I still run a pretty long day, which is 10 hours, 5 to 3. Um, but that inshore islands region, with 12 hours starting at 4 a.m., gives these guys that extra time to make that run, to come back with that giant bag of calicos, or to fish the local... Uh, you know, relief, high relief spots uh, at Isers or out on the horseshoe or wherever it may be for big sand bass. Uh, we've had many times where the sand bass beat out these big calico weights. And I, I tell you what, most of the guys run to San Clemente Island. I'm going to say just about every single day you can run to Clemente and, and put a 25, 28 pound, you know, uh, limit of, of calico bass in the boat. But uh, there's been plenty of 30 pound weight bags. Uh, caught uh, locally right out front. These guys utilize that 12 hours to optimize their fishing time right out front. And I've seen them many times where they'll beat the Calico guys, and it's it's pretty impressive when these guys come in with these giant bags. Uh, <clears throat> we had a record weight set at 37.5 pounds, uh, Carl Erbacher and Josh Dunlap, uh, from Catalina Island. Catalina hosts not quite as big a population as San Clemente Island, but Boy, there's some giants, and I'll tell you what, I've spent a lot of time at Catalina myself, and if uh, there's a record-setting limit to be caught as far as calico bass, I think Catalina's got it for a one-day deal, so uh, pretty pretty good. Jerry, why do you think that is? It, it uh, You know, we've been fishing all calico bass for a long time, and it just seems as of late in these events, uh, it, it seemed to be really unusual to have a bag that went over uh, 20 pounds. And now you're talking about 20- and 30-pound bags of calicos. Uh, do you think the fishermen are getting better at catching them? Do you think it, it just shows that that fishery is, um, you know, really well off? Or are we finding new places to go after them where maybe we haven't gone after them before? I, I think it's a, it's a bit of a combination of everything, you know, the techniques these guys are throwing big weedless swim baits up on the bank, giant crankbaits. Um, they're kind of tapping into uh, basically targeting the bigger bites, maybe not as many bites. Uh, you know, San Clemente Island has got the biggest population of calicos. Sometimes it's tough to get through those, you know, two, three, four pounders to get to those five <laughs> to seven pounders that you really need to compete for those top spots. Um, I think, uh, these guys, you know, they've over time have progressed to such a degree where they know what it takes to target these bigger fish, and it's it's amazing. Uh, it's it's incredible. Over the last, I'd say, five years, the the 
you know, the weights these guys are bringing in, you know, like I said, 37, almost 38 pounds uh, is, is incredible. You're talking almost an eight pound average. That's, it's crazy. Incredible so, but, bag. You know? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's unbelievable. You, you know, know, I also great. think, I also think that the gear that uh, the guys are using to go after these fish has uh, has really evolved in in the past five or six years. Not only with the the fishing rods, the reels, uh, a lot more people now using uh, Spectre type lines. But then the the lure manufacturers uh, uh, like the war baits and the reed baits and the tenacious baits, where where the fishermen can go after these fish in in real kelpie areas or real rocky areas and be successful on catching them. Absolutely, yes. Yep, you're absolutely right. Uh, the gear, the lures, the baits, you know, everybody progresses like everything. You know, every year, the manufacturers of whatever it may be, whether it's rods, reels, uh, um, you know, lure manufacturers, whatever it is, they get a little bit better every year, and progressively, you know, the anglers are, are able to, to stick with that and, and utilize that and, and come back with these giant bags. It's it's uh, very impressive, and you got to give credit to all the manufacturers who, who put that effort in to make make it better for, for us. Um, you know, even the weekend anglers can get out there now and, and fish effectively through those kelpie areas and, you know, have those opportunities at personal best fish. It's It's great. Well, Jerry, you know, going out and taking your boat to Catalina or San Clemente Island or up and down the coast uh, uh, is an expensive proposition. Obviously, there's the entry fee to to get into the events. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of the payback that you had in 2015 and how that might be enhanced coming up in 2016. Well, I tell you, I, I run a $200 basic entry and a $50 big fish. Now, that $200 basic entry, I pay back 80%. Uh, that 20% that I retain pays for insurance, plaques, food, uh, all kinds of miscellaneous stuff. Everything's openly stated. I, I have it up on the website on, on all the results. Um, but I tell you what, the option monies are 100% payback. I pay a one-in-four payout, which pays a little bit deeper into the field. And uh, it, it's it's very good. Uh, all of you know, gotten from these guys is is uh, a really good response as far as hey, you know, this is this is awesome. The paybacks are good. Like I said, everything's openly stated. Um, you know, the product that that I'm able to come up with. You know, in 2015, the SBS the Saltwater Bass Series, we had 19 awesome sponsors: uh, Mercury, Cousins, Iowa, Big Hammer, Afco, Lucky Craft. Down the line, Ranger Boats with the Ranger Cup incentive. Uh, Salty Crew, Grundens, Cedros Outdoor Adventures. You know our, our our championship last year. I gave away a 115 Mercury motor, four stroke motor, uh, a 1300 dollars motor guide trolling motor was raffled out randomly. A Cedros Outdoor Adventure trip, uh, I raffled that off to a team. That was a four thousand dollar you know trip that randomly got raffled to, to one of the teams that had qualified and made the championship. On top of a couple of six-foot tables just stacked with product, uh, Plano, Frable, you name it, Grundens, Trocar, you go down the line. We had so much great sponsor involvement in 2015, and uh, it was it was awesome. It was a great season. You know, it, it, and the fishing is great and competing is it, but, you know, the icing on the cake is when you come back and everybody weighs in their fish and, 
you normally have a great barbecue or food available where everyone can socialize. And, man, the camaraderie of all the fishermen, how they get together and share information and, and talk about stories, I mean, that that is what your events are all about. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it goes beyond a basic entry fee, you know, for the day. I, you know, I talk to people and... That that price of, of admission, so to say, goes well beyond the, the the actual day of the event itself. You know, the weeks of preparation going into that event is some form of entertainment, and 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 it, and it gets you involved. And like you said, you know, I have to say the SBS has a, an awesome uh, vibe to it. Everybody gets along. There's no drama. People come in. They they you know. They check in, they get coffee, sweets, waters, and sodas for the boat. They come in afterwards, they weigh in, they get either burgers or sausages or whatever we're doing. And, uh, you know, it's nice to come in, do a hot meal to get you home. And uh, with all that product and, and a great payback, it, it, it's awesome. And like I said, these guys, everybody gets along. The best of the best communicate, talk, and share their days with you know, the entry-level guys that are just getting involved, and it's a great thing to see. I, I tell you what, it, it, I wish I could fish my own events, but I'm right in the middle of it, and I see it going on, and it's it's awesome. Uh, i got to tell you. It's Jerry, a really where, good deal. where can people go to find out about it, the 2016 season, when the dates are, when people are fishing what and what, and get all the information they need on the Saltwater Bass Series? Uh, everybody, you know, anybody that has, you know, any kind of kind of want to get involved can go to uh the saltwater bass series www.saltwaterbassseries.com we've got the 2016 schedule uh we've got a bunch of links as far as sponsors you can go you can follow on facebook at sbs fishing there's uh there's quite a bit of information that, and i have my phone number on the website if anybody has any questions they can always call me i get a lot of calls with people asking questions about stuff and I'll tell you what, uh, whatever I'm doing, I I make sure I get back to these calls and I take care of these guys and I get back to everybody very quickly to, to, to meet their questions and their needs. All right. Jerry Mary, who director of the Saltwater Bass Series 2016. Jerry, I think it's going to be a good year. We look forward to seeing you on out there. And the best of luck to you. I know we'll be seeing you uh, in San Diego Bay and Mission Bay and when you come on down here. Thanks for taking some of your Sunday to be with us. Awesome, John. Thanks for having me on the show. Have a great night, and uh, I'm sure Stan's on his way to catching some fish, and hopefully Wendy feels a little bit better. Have a All great right. night. All right. You take care and appreciate it. All Jerry right, Mayhew, director of the Saltwater Bass Series. Hey, we got to take a break right now. Coming up next, Phil Friedman with the local Saltwater Report. You'll listen to Ron Real Radio on AM540 or at ronrealradio.com. Stay tuned. More to come. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford. No 
know is trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect, finally a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. 2015 and 16, Quantum Fishing's gone and done it again for you with the brand new redesigned Smoke PT Reel Series. Everything from your spinning reels all the way to your bait casters, the PTA design has the new PTXA frame, lighter, stronger, bone crushing drag, Quantum Fishing. We are performance tuned. Check them out at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa or anglersarsenal.com or give us a call at 619-466-8355. This segment of Ron Real Radio is brought to you by the makers of the original balloon fishing clip system, Balloon Fisher King. Now you can fish the precise bait depth desired with these easy-to-use clips and 100% biodegradable natural latex balloons. All you do is clip, inflate, bait, and fish. Look for Balloon Fisher King clips and balloons at your local tackle dealers or go to balloonfisherking.com for further information. It's a big deal, you know. I've always wanted to be on Rod and Reel Radio Line. <laughs> <laughs> I won the Bassmaster Classic. I did a, a McDonald's commercial, but now I know I've made it. I fulfilled my dream. <laughs> that is just absolutely awesome. And Southern California, we do want to welcome you back to Rod and Reel Radio. I'm your host, Hopalong John Cassidy. Stan and Wendy are off tonight, so we're here on the at the helm by ourselves, but things seem to be going well, and boy, what better time is it to welcome the next segment, What the Heck is Phil Thinking, with a voice and host of PFO Radio, Mr. Phil Friedman. Phil, how you doing? Hey, John, good evening. You're all alone there. Are you feeling lonely? I, you know what? I, Phil, what can I tell you? I'm not feeling lonely because I look out the door and about 10 minutes ago, winter just hit outside over here. So it, it's like a, a, a winter's evening. It's dark. It's cold. Uh, you know, I, I feel right at home. 
Oh, man, you are not kidding. I mean, yesterday it was summer, and I'll have some reports on some great surf fishing and as well as some other fishing and some great fishing today. But today, wow, we got hit here in Surfside, Seal Beach, uh, with a really brisk wind, which is only going to worsen. It's going to get up to gale force, and they're talking 40, 45 knots of breeze here maybe Monday evening. So you're right, it has really, really changed. Hey, I wanted to start out by sending our love and prayers and thoughts out to the people of France and Paris and just let our brothers and sisters over there know that we are with them in solidarity, John. I think that's really, really important. And uh, I, I, I will hesitate to make any political comments about getting tough with ISIL or anything like that. But, boy, I'll tell you, it's about time, I think. I'm, I'm holding back, but I, I guess the most important thing is to be in solidarity with our brothers and sisters over there. You know, uh, Phil, all you got to say is uh, is that a lot of people have recognized what this threat was. They were kind of, you know, t- turning their shoulders to it, says, well, it, it doesn't really affect me. And then all of a sudden it comes home and it does affect you. And uh, there are just, unfortunately, some evils in the world out there. And you think we would learn from history, but uh, unfortunately there's too many people out there that are revisionists. And, uh, you know, we, we sometimes we just don't learn. So... Let's hope for a good outcome here. Yeah, and, and uh, just to carry it just a little bit further before we get into the fishing, you're, you're very, very right. I mean, there was a time in our history when we saw evil in the world, World War II, when Eisenhower taped, he videotaped what was going on over in Germany. He taped what was going on in the gas chambers so that people would never, ever forget it. And the scope of the horrific things that are going on right now are Hitlerian, in in tragedy and uh, it's about time that the western world came together and did something about it but i'll leave it at that i don't want to get on my soapbox here <laughs> this time. hey well phil you know uh, what's nice about it being an el nino year is that we do have uh times when we have these storms coming in that have been anticipated but in between those times We've got great. We got areas of great calm, and I think there's still fishing to be had out there when we get those uh, uh, those periods. Just hung up on the phone with my friend Sean Morgan just a second ago. He's one of the finest marlin fishermen in Southern California. He runs a yacht called the Good Karma. He was out on a boat this year on one weekend. He had two blue marlin and a couple of striped marlin. He really knows his game, and he just called me, and he wouldn't tell me where. He said, I don't want you putting this on John Cassidy's show or anybody else's show. <laughs> so I said, I don't care about that. Just tell me, what did you do today? And he said, hey, it got to be 30 knots of wind. We ended up with three for four on the striped marlin in 64-degree water, and it looked really, really good. And then I talked to some other marlin guys who had great fishing. A friend of mine, Tommy Littell from the Oceanside Anglers Club with three wahoo over the weekend. So, John, I'll tell you, the fish are still here, and it's still really good. Cruz Soto is a guy from Wilmington, California. He was out on the Enterprise today out of Marina Sport Fishing in Long Beach, California, the three-quarter day boat. And they did get forced in early, but he said the white fish and the sheep's head fishing early was really, really fantastic. Great fishing for them, and it just seems to go on and on and on. So you get the feeling that after this win, we may get back to some really, really good fishing. I want to send my thanks out to Oceanside, California, to a guy named Sean Albee. I put out a call for Wahoo Heads. 
Not that I'm a kinky guy, John. I needed some frozen Wahoo heads for Rick Peeney over at the L.A. Museum of Natural History. And Rick is thrilled to know that they're going to have that in their pocket. And last Wednesday, we were down there out of Oceanside, California, on board the Oceanside 95 with the great people of Oceanside uh, sport fishing. I'm talking about Amber Duff and Joey Heltren, Helgren and, of course, the Marines from Camp Pendleton. We also had folks from the United States Air Force, the United States Navy, and that's how we celebrate every single Veterans Day now. On the Oceanside 95, we went out and had a spectacular day where a great guy, a U.S. Marine named Bradley Gill, came out and caught a yellowtail in the very same spot that he caught a big yellowtail last year, John, the very same spot. And then at the end of the trip, Scott Buchert from Corona Del Mar, California, hooked and handed his daughter, Gina, a big old sheep's head. She landed that fish, and i got to tell you, to see those two together, Bradley and Gina just hugging and really enjoying themselves, was something really, really special. And then a couple of other guys that we met, Joe Patino is a U.S. Marine down there at Camp Pendleton, and his son Dominic were on the trip. And, John, if this country has any chance at all, it's because of Marines like Joe. What a great young man. I mean, that guy was so polite, so courteous. And I just watched the way he handled his son. He was all over his son Dominic, and they caught fish. They had a great time. And it just renews my faith in the United States of America. When you look at a soldier like Joe, he was really great. And, and we bonded with Joe so much that we said, hey, Joe, on Saturday, we need to see you up here in Surfside. We're going surf fishing. So he came on up on his motorcycle, made it in 48 minutes from Camp Pendleton, came up here to Surfside, and we had a spectacular day of surf fishing. I mean, great. Philip, my son, had three nice halibut just barely short he threw a lucky craft lure and had a sand bass a nice big sand bass and a spotted bay bass on the same lure he had a double and we were looking at joe and he was having a great time he wandered off by himself and came back with a great big needlefish caught some mackerel caught some bonita we had so much variety john in the surf we had barred perch yellowfin croaker halibut needlefish we had various other creatures in the surf it was really as good as you could want it and it acts like summertime down here right now and it's probably because the water temperature has reduced to the point that we've got bait back on the beach you can tell from the pelicans and the birds that are going crazy here and picking away and it really turned into a great day and we got to spend it with the united states marine joe patino and we're hoping he'll come back with his son really really soon great fishing cortez bank need to talk about that that place was on fire, but it has backed off. Water temperatures reduced out there. The 095 was out there for a handful of yellowtail and yellowfin tuna. Excellent rock fishing. San Diego local, there's still some yellows down there, but this wind is going to take its toll. It's going to really blow here for a couple of days, so we're going to have to wait and see what happens. I talked about the Enterprise Santa Monica Bay. There's been some yellows. That backed off, and Channel Islands, great lingcod fishing. Really wonderful fishing going on up there in that neck of the woods. Finally... Uh, before you, if you have any questions for me, <laughs> um, Black Friday at Big Fish Bait and Tackle in Seal Beach, California is going to be really, really special. Free food, free seminars, and we're doing a Toys for Tecate fund driving uh, situ- uh, deal down there. 
where you can bring any kind of a toy or a school supply, a, 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 you know, any kind of a notebook or a pencil or anything at all. If you can't afford to spend that much money, anything will do. Go to the 99-cent store and bring something over, and then we'll take that all down to Tecate, Baja, California, on Dia de Reyes. That is the 10th of January down in the stadium where we intend to have a really good day. And the day after that, I hear there's an incredible sale going on at Angler's Arsenal down there in beautiful La Mesa, California. So, John, I know it's the dead of winter, and I know it's going to blow 40 knots, but there's still so much to talk about. Well, well the thing to talk, thing about, to talk about is that there's is still that great there's fishing, uh, Phil. We're uh, looking at, you know, we've been talking about, yeah, you know, everyone was running on out. They were going after the plegics and everything like that. And our rockfish fishery was kind of getting ignored a little bit. Now that that uh, uh, going after tuna and whatever it is is dying off a little bit, I'm noticing the private boaters and some of the sports boats are going out there. And, man, the bounty that they are catching of these rockfish is really incredible. Yeah, you are so right. It has been great fishing from San Diego up to the Channel Islands on nice quality reds and links and all kinds of other rockfish. You know, something that we failed to mention here, and I was talking to my good friend Ben Hong over there at Promar recently about uh, the lobster traps and the best way to fish for lobster. The lobster fishing has been excellent in most areas this year. It has been limit-style fishing over at Catalina Island, Long Beach, down there around Oceanside, up and down the coast, everywhere has been really, really good. But you are so right to point out how good the rockfish bite has been. We look up there in the Channel Islands, a recent trip on the Pacific Islander, I know that uh, Diana Cortez was out there on a recent charter and had just wonderful big lingcod, and that bite continues. So, I mean, there's no better fish to eat in the sea than those beautiful rockfish, those colorful rockfish. You never know what you're going to catch when you drop down to the bottom. I love fishing that bottom stuff. And you're right, we can transition into that for now. But, you know, this wind, John, I happen to think, that it's going to be a temporary setback. I think we're going to go in and out of really good surf fishing right through the end of the year and perhaps into the new year. I think we're going to be catching yellowtail in January here in Long Beach and down there at the Coronado Islands. I think we'll have some setbacks where we have a, a major blow like this one where water temperatures get reduced to the point that the fish get a little bit of lockjaw. But once things kind of settle down, look for some of that great surface fishing to come back and in between the great rock fishing that you pointed out. All right. And, uh, Phil, one of the things, though, I'd like to bring up, because I know you guys uh, kind of stumbled in it, across it, during your last surf fishing trip, there can be some hazards. You want to talk about that? And how's the best way to take care of it? Uh, let me tell you. Joaquin Espinosa from Aventuras a la de Libre happens to be one of the biggest babies I have ever met in my life. Boy, he was picking on me last night saying that I had a paper cut, and Bob Osborne got in on it, and so did Robin Osborne, and they're all picking on me saying, look at Joaquin, he's got this big bruise on his heel, and you've got nothing, we can't see any evidence of your uh, stick, Whoa, what a baby, John, anyway, these round stingrays do have a tendency to get on the beach, and I'll tell you, it was funny, I got stuck, and there was so many birds, and so much fish under the birds, that I just gutted it out and kept throwing my crocodile and kept hanging yellowfin croaker. And then I looked over at Joaquin about a half hour later, and I was about ready to call it quits because I was really starting to hurt. But I looked over at Joaquin, and I saw him up on one foot jumping up and down on a pogo stick. 
And I could tell, I, I yelled at him, and we could hardly hear each other because we were a little ways away from each other. I go, did you get it? And he goes, yeah. So I came up, got my foot into hot water right away. And it's really nothing to play around about. You can get infected. You can have some serious injuries from that. So I got it in hot water. Robin Osborne was so kind to keep bringing the hot water coming. And then we cleaned it out with peroxide. We cleaned that out further with soap. We cleaned it out with some antibacterial stuff. And then little baby Joaquin came up, and he did. He really did get hit way worse than I did, but I wasn't going to let him know that. And he was really bruised up, and uh, so we got him in hot water, got him cleaned up, but finally his uh, his uh, wound broke open, and there was blood everywhere. I mean, more than the, the fight that we watched later that night. So uh, <laughs> you, you do... You do have to you do have to be careful, but it's just part of the game. I, I, I have to say, round stingrays are not on my list of my most favorite creatures that God ever created. But what are you going to do? And and getting it in hot water right away, and making sure you get it cleaned up and get some antibacterial stuff. And if it shows any signs of further infection, go see the doctor right away. All right, Phil. Hey, right, we want to get updated on what's happening with Phil Friedman Radio, the latest updates on uh, uh, on what's happening in our local waters. Uh, stay in contact with what you're doing. How's the best way to do it? John, the best way to do that is to go to our website, www.pfomedia.com. You can also check us out on Facebook at PFO, also in Spanish at aventurasaladelibre.com and aventurasaladelibre on Facebook. And, of course, we're on Google+, Instagram, and all social media. And, of course, we'll have updates for you all the rest of the week coming. And, again, John, always a pleasure to be with you, my friend. I hope you had a great, great weekend, and I hope so did everybody who is listening in. We did, and we're going to talk a little bit about what we did during the week, too, because we had a great fishing trip with Captain James Selson. That's going to come up next. I think we're going to talk about it. But, Phil, thanks for putting together a great report for us. And, as always, we look forward to speaking to you next Sunday night on Rod Real Radio. And I hope we get the opportunity to speak during the week. Take care, John. Take care, everybody. All right. Hey, that was Phil Friedman from uh, PFO Radio. We're going to take a break right now. Coming up next, the fish icon himself with the Southern California Inshore Report, Captain James Nelson, only on Rod and Reel Radio on AM540 or at rodandreelradio.com. Stay tuned. More to come. Angler's Arsenal is the serious angler's first choice for hand-poured plastics, McCoy line, Spro products, Gamakatsu hooks, G. Loomis fishing rods, Shimano products, Ovid reels, and just about anything you hear advertised on Rod and Reel Radio. Go to anglersarsenal.com and visit our online tackle store. See the huge selection of Western Plastics hand-poured baits, all at anglersarsenal.com. Angler's Arsenal Tackle Store is conveniently located in La Mesa, just off Interstate 8. Give us a call at 1-800-428-8730. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their product. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. 
Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ring hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. My Angler H2O. I will scent my lure with pride. And hope my boss doesn't notice the tan. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed sunken boats and outlast the hard-fighting largemouth bass. I will save water at home for better fishing out here and always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. This portion of Rod and Reel Radio is brought to you by the Rockley's Fish Release System. Now you can quickly and easily release fish suffering from barotrauma back to the depths they were caught. Look or ask for the Rockley's at your local fishing tackle dealer. And welcome back on this blustery Sunday night to Rod and Reel Radio. I hope you're just kind of curled up under a warm blanket or wherever you might be. Enjoying the show. we got plenty of show left, and uh, now it's time to bring on Captain James Nelson, the fish icon. Captain James Nelson is brought to you by the Rockley's uh, Bear Trauma Release System. And Captain James, a good Sunday evening to you, and how did your past week go? Oh, it's been great, John. Good good uh, Sunday to you. Hey, thank you, Captain James. Well, you know, uh, Phil and I were talking a little bit about this uh, Weather that we have that's currently coming through, and it seems like uh, you know we can expect uh, you know a blow to come through uh, at least once a week now, and who knows what's going to happen with the El Nino. But after the blow, it seems like we get a calm period where maybe we can still go out there and fish. Have you had the opportunity to do that, and what's been happening? John, it's been good. You know, the crazy thing about November is that uh, whether we get a little bit of this stuff or not, we're still a good 10 to 20 degrees warmer than just about everywhere, but say maybe Florida and, and Arizona. So, <laughs> you know, we're, it's still a wonderful place to, to be and to just get out and enjoy the weather. And we got good fishing. So, what are you going to do? Go fishing? Well, I guess we can attest to that, uh, James. And I want to talk a little bit about. Uh, 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 had an opportunity to go out with you last Thursday with uh, Dr. Jim. We went out to one of our favorite spots, the hard bottom off of Imperial Beach. Uh, you hadn't been out there for a little while, so we didn't know what to expect. And I've got to tell you, uh, you took us to a spot that it paid off royally for us. Thank you. So thank me, thank the fish. I mean, they did not let us down. It was really nice. And what do we end up with, like eight, nine different varieties? It was just even things we normally don't see every day, like a white sea bass and a black skipjack. I mean, those are just, these fish are just, what can you say? Yeah, they, you know, we, 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 you know, we know that we can go out there and we can get nice calicos and nice johnny bass and, and nice sand bass, but all of a sudden, man, we're out there and we're picking up the vermilion, we're picking up nice picachos. You get a Sierra, which was just stunning. We got into uh, large Bonita, and then Captain Jim on his uh, magic megabait 
he had another fish on, and he fought that thing for 20 minutes. In fact, he did that to us last time we went out together, and he lost the fish. This time he brought that fish in. And, and tell us a little bit about that fight, uh, Jim. Well, you know, <laughs> the guy's a wizard when it comes to dropping those spoons, and we all know he loves that mega bait. He turned me on to him about four years ago, and, uh, you know, you know from both of us, we kind of keep your pegs a little bit uh, shy of empty. <laughs> and uh, we're, we're doing our best to, to empty them out each time we come in. And uh, that's what those fish really wanted. And in the morning, we got them on that red crab jig, and that was really cool. I had that Phoenix football jig. Yeah. We put the little red crab, red crawl that Western Plastics makes and, and dipped that in the uni butter. And I was just almost every drop getting hit on that thing, and that was pretty fun. But... Uh, you know, even when I was getting fish on that, I looked over and Dr. Jim was still pulling them in on the spoon. And later on, when that sun come, came up, that was the ticket. Definitely was that spoon. They, that flutter and flash anchovy falling down look, I think, was just, that's what they wanted. <laughs> it sure seemed like it. You know, and Dr. Jim, and this is maybe something we can uh, uh, use as a little tackle tip, he changed up a little bit and did something that really improved his fishing. And I'm going to start off with it because when we started, we were fishing in about 90 feet of water, and we were yo-yoing, you know, two-and-a-half-ounce jigs so we could get on down there. And we were getting bit, but we were getting the Johnny Bass, and we were getting small calicos. And then Captain Jim changed. And you want to tell us what he changed to and how that changed his fishing? Well, yeah, I mean, I think what's funny is sometimes, Sean, you just got to listen to the signs. You know, when you break off a lure, that's, sometimes that's a sign telling you to change your lure. You know? <laughs> and in this particular case, he had a heavier rod with a heavier reel, heavier line, and his reel was getting gummed up on him. It happens, you know, it's just he was getting to where it wasn't going in gear right. He was feeling uncomfortable fighting fish with it because it just wasn't working right. So he thought, well, I'll switch. And that's when he switched to a little bit lighter rod, a little bit smaller reel with 15-pound test. And in doing so, he wasn't comfortable throwing a big spoon on that rod, so he lightened up that, too. So he went to a one-and-a-half-ounce, and just that was it. I mean, that was his – you couldn't get that rod out of his hand the rest of the day. And right. I think that, you know, just paying attention to the science. You know, the science were telling him, change your gear. So he did. <laughs> And he started cleaning up, and I, I tell you, you know, we were all catching fish, but he caught the biggest vermilion of the day. He had the largest uh, uh, calico of the day. He had the largest sand bass. Caught a picacho on that thing. And then the icing on the cake with that one-and-a-half-ounce megabait spoon, he hooked into something that really gave him a ride, and, boy, that was a fight, wasn't it? Oh, it was it was fun to watch. I can't imagine what it felt like in his hands, but so you could just—I mean, it was great, you know, seeing that. And uh, such a great guy, you know. I I love it anytime I guess you know catch fish like that. And uh, with Doctor Jim, is he's such a good guy to begin with. So it's it's just icing on the cake seeing him catch that quality of a fish and watching how he worked that thing and didn't overwork his line, but yet still put some faith in it. I mean, that was. I, it's, it was magic, and it worked. You know, he was telling me because uh, he came on over Saturday and gave me a nice chunk 
of this white sea bass that he caught that he's got one at home that's 37 pounds that he mounted. And he says, John, he says, that fish that I caught was larger than the fish that we mounted. But he took it home. He was kind enough to bring me a nice chunk of white sea bass. And, boy, it was great eating. Well, Jim, we, we had a great trip. But you know what was nice about that trip? We left Shelter Island at sunrise. We stopped off at the bait barge, and, man, uh, what, a, what a great that was called. What did we do, use three or four pieces of bait out of the whole tank full that you got? We had such a, a great bite on the artificials. And then we caught all these fish, and I don't know, by your count, it was over 50, and it may have been over that because we were, we were all catching fish, and I don't think you were keeping great track of it, but it was over 50. And we were back at Shelter Island Harbor at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. So we had a great day of fishing, and it didn't take up the whole day. It was a, a fantastic experience. You know, John, it's November at its finest, and, and you can expect that. We're having those types of days in the Bay, uh, and that's one thing. Yeah, I almost expect it anymore in the Bay to get more numbers than size, but we had both when we went out to the that hard bottom area, and that's, that's something that... That's extraordinary. You don't always get it, and if if you could, I mean, I'd be exploiting it like crazy in my marketing scheme, but, you know, it's just nice when we do get it. It's nice to, to have it, take advantage of it, and uh, just get out there and have fun. Keep some fish for the table, but, you know, don't destroy the area. We let a lot of fish go back. To, uh, I know they're there. We know where they are, John. Yeah, yeah, so do we. You know, Jim, and... Here's the thing, you know, and we—I guess I—I I, I always talk about it, but I, it doesn't really set in. What it costs to go out with you on a trip like that? If you go out and you bring a friend or you bring a couple of other buddies, you wind up paying a lot less than you'd pay on a three-quarter day boat. And what we were able to catch and release, and the number of places we went to, and the varieties of fish. It was such a great value. Uh, and, Jim, you serve absolutely the best granola bars of anybody I've ever fished with. Yeah. <laughs> All of the best, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know, uh, uh, well, even when we get these kind of uh, wintry, blustery days, Jim, where you can't go outside of the bay or you don't feel comfortable or a customer doesn't feel, uh, feel comfortable going out there, there that doesn't mean that there still isn't great bay fishing. You know, we try. That's the, that's the thing, is to have fun, to get out there, enjoy the whole experience. And, uh, you know, that's what it's all about, It's fun. As a matter of fact, you know what I'm about to do here, John? It's got to be pretty fun. Something I haven't done since growing up as a kid in North Park and Drowsy Maggie's was still there. And uh, you could just show up with your acoustic guitar, sign up for an open mic thing, get up there and sing a couple tunes. Guess what? I'm about to do that here in the college area. Well, hey, tell us about that quickly. Where are you going to be, and uh, uh, how can we uh, uh, listen to you? Because I know you have a little history behind you on uh, writing songs and uh, playing in a band. So tell us what's up there. Well, uh, we're, I'm going to do this thing. It's called, <laughs> of all places, called the Ugly Dog Pub. It's up here on Elkhorn Boulevard. I literally just parked the van. Uh, Folks, I've been talking to my headset, just don't, so you don't think that I've been going uh, without doing the hands-free thing while driving. But anyway, a <laughs> <laughs> uh, little disclaimer there for the attorney. Uh, but, yeah, 
so I'm going to go uh, sign up, do the, every once in a while they do this open mic thing. It's a good thing for, uh, uh, they, they say it's for singer-songwriters, but to use that phrase to, for me, I think is an insult to singers. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I have been writing songs, John, since I was about 15 years old, you know, and so that, that's a few years. And uh, it's fun to just get back into the thing and, you know, hang out with uh, fellow uh, songwriters and kind of just, Strum a few chords out there, belt a few tunes, and sit back and have a cup of coffee and talk about life. Well, Jim, that sounds great. Hey, listen, well, you know, we've got great weather still in store for us coming up. As a matter of fact, even though we're having a little blow right now, I know the forecast for next Sunday is temperatures in the mid-80s. So we're going to be getting an occasional storm because of this El Nino, and then I think we're still going to be seeing Great fishing conditions, a good time to go out with a fish icon. And, and if not fish in the bay, get a chance to go out and get some of those rockfish or even hook a white sea bass or yellowtail or two. Uh, Jim, if people want to do this, they want to go out for a half day, a full day, how's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, the best way is always uh, by phone. Uh, of course, I do have the website. It's the dfishicon.com. You can check me out on Facebook. Or, again, phone 619-395-0799. All right, Captain James Nelson, the fish icon. Captain James, thanks a lot for a great trip over the weekend. Uh, Dr. Jim, he only um, uh, uh, said that he thought it was one of the best trips he'd been on in his lifetime. And considering uh, uh, there's a lot of water that's going to uh, Dr. Jim's uh, bridge, uh, that's saying a lot. So thanks a lot for a great trip. and. We look forward to not only speaking to you during the week, but next Sunday night on Rod and Reel Radio. Always a pleasure, John, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, and hopefully I'll still have a voice. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Captain James Nelson, the fish icon. Hey, at this time, too, you know, uh, Phil Friedman made reference to it. Coming up on Saturday, November the 28th, is the Angler Swap Meet here at Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa. We're located right on Center Street. We'll be setting on up on Saturday, and that's November the 28th. It's also known as Small Business Saturday. Sellers will be setting up at 6 a.m. We're going to let buyers in at 7.30. They're going to have rods, reels, boat accessories, whatever it is. New and used equipment. Only have room for about 30 vendors here. We've had it for the past couple of years. It's always been a great success. So put this date down on your calendar. Saturday, November the 28th. At Angler's Arsenal in La Mesa, you can give us a call at 619-466-8355 or get a hold of us on Facebook because I only have a few spaces left. We've already had a lot of spaces already uh, signed up for. So leave, uh, you know, leave yourself out of the shopping malls on Small Business Saturday, November the 28th. That's right after Thanksgiving. Come visit here at, at Angler's Arsenal. Get the gear that you're really looking for at a great price. Or if you have a lot of gear that you want to liquidate and have some more money for Christmas, you can do that too. And then visit us here at Angler's Arsenal because we're going to have prices on gear like you've never seen. So stop by and see us. We appreciate you all coming on by. Hey, listen, it's time for a break right now. Coming up next, Mr. Chuck Sims. And Chuck has done something that only one other fisherman in Bassmaster history has ever done. We're going to talk about that and learn more 
on, on Charles Sim after these messages. We've got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Rod and Real Radio on AM540 or at rodandreelradio.com. Stay tuned. More to come. You can count on El Cajon Ford, as so many Southern Californians have for years. El Cajon Ford has the cars and trucks you can count on, like the all-new Fusion and Escape, Edge, Explorers, and more. And now, Fiestas with 38 MPG and Focus with 40 miles per gallon highway, plus C-Max Energy with up to 42 highway EPA estimates. El Cajon Ford has them now. Shop online at ElCajonFord.com. Choose from hundreds of your favorite F-Series trucks, too. El Cajon Ford knows trucks, no matter what you're hauling or towing, for a great weekend of fishing or for some fun in the desert. Now get special savings on every F-Series truck in stock, 150s, 250s, 350s, at El Cajon Ford. We have commercial trucks, too, including the all-new Transit Connect. Finally, a commercial van with great mileage, helping your business get moving again. El Cajon Ford, worth the short drive from anywhere in Southern California, Broadway and East Main and El Cajon, or online anytime, anywhere at ElCajonFord.com. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, H&M Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. My Angler H2O. I will never use that fakey fluorescent pink bait or drag my hula popper through the mud. I will outmaneuver drought-exposed stumps, rocks, and submerged station wagons and outsmart the ravenous river otter. I will save water by taking shorter showers for higher lakes, and I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways reminds you to wear it, California. Quantum Fishing's got something for everybody. From the smallest angler to the oldest veteran, we can get you out there fishing with the greatest reels on the market today. From the all-new for 2016 Icon PT to the Tour Mag to the brand-new redesigned Smoke Reel, we've got something for everyone in your family. Have some fun. Take a kid fishing. They're the future of our sport. Quantum, we are performance-tuned. You can get your quantum products at anglersarsenal.com or anglersarsenal in the Mesa at 619-466-8355. Hi, this is BSS record holder Dean Rojas. El Cajon Ford helped me when I got started in my career, and let them help you with a new F-Series Ford truck. And remember, nobody beats El Cajon Ford. And Southern California, we want to welcome you back to the second hour of Rod Wheel Radio. Stan Vandenberg and Woody Toshihara, they are off tonight, so we appreciate you listening and coming aboard with us. Hey, our next guest I have advertised, he is the only pro-angler that has done this since 1990 in the BASS or Bassmaster Circuit. Hey, let's get a hold of him, find out 
just what this accomplishment is and get to know him a little better. better. Pro angler Charles Sims is with us. Charles, welcome to Rod and Real Radio. Oh, thank you very much, John. It's uh, it's a real pleasure to be here, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Oh no, I, you know I appreciate you being with us. You know, just to tell our listeners, we are uh, uh, calling you. You are in the Eastern Time Zone, so uh, three hours difference. We appreciate you making some time for us. Now, before we get into a little bit about your life, I've been teasing uh, about that you have done something that only one an- other angler in Bassmaster history has done. Tell us what that accomplishment is, Charles. Uh, every time someone brings it up, I get a smile on my face. Yeah. Um, last week, I qualified to be the second Canadian in history to qualify for the Bassmaster Classic. All right. And, man, I'm so pumped to get down to Grand Lake in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be an experience. So you know, to to tell our listeners what that means. In the entire history of Bassmaster Classics, and Bassmaster Classics have been going on since the uh, the early 70s, there has only been one other Canadian to qualify for the Classic, and I think you told me that was in 1999, so it took another 25 years to have it done, and Charles, you're the guy that did it. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, the first qualifier was Hank Gibson. Um, he qualified through the uh, the Open events in 1990. Uh, I never got the pleasure of meeting the man. I only really got into bass fishing around 98, 99. Um, and then I qualified through the uh, the Bass Nation, which would be the grassroots kind of club level. Well, let's t- let's talk a little bit. Of, you know, let's go back a little bit further, though. You live in Canada, obviously. You're a Canadian. From uh, what I understand, uh, uh, you were uh, uh, born in Montreal. You currently live somewhere in Ottawa, I believe it is, and a lot of people know that's far up in Ontario. Tell us, how does a, a fella that is grown up fishing with pike and trout and walleye and maybe occasionally a smallmouth, you know, grow this uh, this desire to be a professional bass angler. Well, we actually have phenomenal bass fishing for both smallmouth and largemouth uh, here in Canada. Um, I grew up in Quebec, uh, and bass are like the fifth or sixth or seventh species on the like favorite species list. Uh, you know, number one would be like the brook trout, the lake trouts, uh, the walleye, the northern pike. Um, and we used to spend hours and hours as a teenager. I remember we'd go out and we'd rent like a 16-foot aluminum boat, fish for 12 or 14 hours for whatever it hit. Most of the time it was northern pike. And, uh, you know, I transitioned that love for fishing into a... I did a degree in fish and wildlife at Sir Sanford Fleming, Sir Sanford Fleming College. Uh, I followed that up with a couple years guiding in northwestern Ontario at Canada North Lodge. And in 98, when I settled down in Ottawa, um, I'd heard of these bass clubs, these grassroots bass clubs. I, I love fishing. I didn't do much bass fishing. I didn't own a boat, but, uh, it's just an amazing program. You can join a club as a non-boater and get paired up with some incredibly talented anglers, fish with five, six different anglers a year and, enjoy the pleasure and the challenge and the competition of bass tournaments. Uh, it was 
I think shortly after that, like it, the whole competitive tournament fishing thing got so deep in my blood. Uh, I went all the way down to Tennessee to fish a pro-am event in 2001. And I came home from that event seeing, my goodness, these professional anglers, they're really not that much different than everybody else, except they, they put the time and effort and, and, and money into being the best they can be. So I came home in 2001 and a month later bought a boat. And we're, you know, uh, I know because I run a business where shipping uh, uh, products up to Canada. Yes, they, Canada doesn't have to pay FET, but man, they they put on uh, uh, a lot of duty on the item. Uh, uh, did you get your boat in the United States? Could you buy it in Canada? And and how you know how did you wind up learning you know what what it was that you needed to uh, uh, you know get decked out and, and start fishing like that. Um, I guess in the beginning it was from mostly magazines that I, I kind of learned. Uh, you know, we had several publications here in Canada. Uh, we had some great, uh, great fishing shows on television. Uh, I grew up, as with most anglers in Canada, watching Bob Azumi every Saturday morning. Um, he had, he's been on TV now for, oh my God, it's got to be approaching 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, as for my first boat, it was, uh, it was a used boat from a, a friend in our club. But, you know, we have lots of boat dealers up here. And, of course, all the boats come from the U.S. manufacturers. They're, uh, I don't think there are any Canadian bass boat manufacturers at the time, like right now. Um, and, yeah, of course, our, our boat prices are dependent on the value of the dollar at the time and whatever taxes and duties may be levied on that. Wow. Now, you know, is, uh, is bass fishing? In Canada, you talked about you, you had some events, and I see that, you know, Chevrolet runs some events, but it, is it gaining more and more popularity uh, as uh, as time goes by for uh, having, uh, you know, club tournaments and uh, and opens? Oh, it, it really is. It really is. Uh, the When the bath tournaments started, they weren't so big in Quebec when I was growing up. Uh, we didn't really have exposures to the Bassmaster. We didn't get, it was on, I believe, TNN back in the 80s, the Nashville Network. Um, we didn't get that in Quebec, but in Ontario they did. And it kind of opened up this interest of bass fishing. And it started with one or two organizations. Uh, I believe back in the day it was like Bass Ontario. In the late 90s, uh, mid-90s, um, there was a Chevy Mariner series that, that was kind of the uh, the pinnacle, the head of the, the kind of the top of the heap, the biggest event going. Um, and over the years, it seems there's more and more organizations and clubs forming, um, and more and more anglers are getting interested in it. And uh, I, I think in the last few years, we've had a few anglers get really, really close to this uh, pinnacle of the Bassmaster Classic, plus doing extremely well on other series and events throughout the, the, the United States. That interest is growing. People are seeing, wow, I. I can get out there and compete with these guys and and advance beyond our Canadian borders. Wow. You know, I have brought a bass boat up into Canada and have brought it back. Uh, that has to be, is that something that, especially in this day and age, because I, you know, I did it like 15 years ago when it was a heck of a lot easier to cross the border. 
Is that something that's tough to go running back and forth across the border or because there are so many fishermen that that are fishing in the U.S. that it, it's a little easier process? Yeah, I don't uh, I don't really have any issues crossing the border with my boat. Um, you know, whether that's because I do it all the time and I'm recorded in the computer or, or uh, the border services are more trusting, I, I don't know. But then, no, crossing the border is never really an issue. You have your paperwork, you have your ownership. Um, the odd time... If they're suspicious, then they pull you in for inspection. But uh, no, it's not a big issue at all. And tell us about you know the mileage. I mean, what kind of mileage are you are are you putting on just to get to let's say your closest event, let alone uh, something that's at uh, at Grand Lake in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Well, I mean, around home we have events anywhere from I can be I can be twenty miles from my house to two hundred miles from my house. There's lots and lots of local events, um, but Grand Lake is going to be, well, uh, I just came back from the Wachita River. It was 1,600 miles each way, and I did that trip four times. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I just bought a, a, a new-to-me truck in May, and I've put uh, 40,000 kilometers, so that's 24,000 miles on it since May. Wow. Well, you know, as... As then you you had this desire, it seems like from reading your bio that you were always looking for more. You would you started off with uh, local club tournaments, and then you you had uh, uh, events that you fished that were more of a pro am, and then uh, there were events where you couldn't do the shared weight anymore, where you had to depend on your your own uh, uh, you know skill and your own wiles to be able to fish with. Was there a, a hero that you had, or were there examples of fishermen that were fishing in FLW or Bassmasters that you kind of took after and you said, you know, I can learn something from these guys, and you put uh, those techniques to work for you? Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, we, we all followed the uh, uh, the greats, the Kevin Van Dams, the Aaron Martins, uh, and the, the consistency that they they showed was just phenomenal but more on a local regional level um i learned so much from my uh my my club members i learned so much from uh one of the first partners i teamed up with to compete regionally a good friend pete garnier and uh you know pete had he had 10 or 15 years on the experience tournament fishing so i really picked up a lot from him um but we, we were fishing this team series, and there was a point in time where it switched from a team event to a pro-am event. And I think that was a, a big moment for me when all of a sudden it came down to my decisions, and uh, I kind of had to rely on myself a little bit more. And there was definitely struggles and failures in the beginning, but uh, eventually you put enough time on the water, and you gain the experience to make the right decisions and, and trust your gut. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you mentioned club fishing, and that seems to be a pattern that even we out here in the West, because when you look at some of the fishermen that have come from the West here, whether it be uh, Gary Klein or D. Thomas, Mike Falkstad, some, uh, some of our more seasoned veterans, or Aaron Martins and Dean Rojas, uh, these are all guys that they started club fishing, 
and from there they went to uh, uh, you know regional types of tournaments and did relatively well there, but they committed themselves and said, you know, I want to take it to the next step, and from the club to the regional, and now they're all fishing the pro circuit and and doing well on that, and that seems to be the same pattern you followed. It it yeah it is. I mean it's a it's a great place to get your feet wet, and you can decide from there if you want to move on, um, you know, to higher levels and challenge yourself more. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the biggest things I've heard from people with this classic qualification is that I've put the time in and I've never given up and kept on striving and and, and yeah, like I said earlier, God in my, gets in your blood and you just want to keep pushing to the next level. Wow, a hey, uh, you know, uh, we're Charles. We're going to have to take a break right now. Is there any way we can uh, get you to stay with us for another segment or two and, and talk a little bit about? Your road to the 2016 Bassmaster Classic? Yeah, definitely. I want to talk all about Watchtower River and Grand River and the, the stair steps I took to get there. It's going to be, uh, yeah, it's a fantastic thing. Thanks. Well, we definitely want to talk into it. Hey, we are with uh, Charles Sims, and he is only the second uh, Canadian angler in Bassmaster history to make it to the Bassmaster Classic and uh, what what a step it is. Uh, we're learning a little bit about uh, how he started. And coming up in the next segment, we'll talk a little bit about uh, how he made it to the Classic and how he's going to prepare for that and uh, a lot of other things. So stay tuned. There's more Rod and Reel Radio to come. You're listening to us on AM540 or at rodreelradio.com. Stay tuned. More to come after these messages. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. H&M Landing is the most diversified sport fishing company on the West Coast. Serving the angling community since 1935, H&M Landing's name recognition and reputation for customer service is the best in the business. The H&M fleet provides the widest range of trip options and boasts the coast's largest open party fleet. For ocean fishing any time of the year, H&M Landing should be your choice for nearshore and offshore fishing. H&M is San Diego's most experienced sport fishing company, offering the best in half-day, three-quarter day, full, and multi-day trips, and a complete schedule of long-range adventures. Call today, HM Landing, 619-222-1144, or visit their website at www.hmlanding.com for updated schedules and secure online booking. H&M Landing, the experienced angler's first choice in local and multi-day fishing since 1935. That's H&M Landing at 619-222-1144 or hmlanding.com. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. 
There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Captain Chris Randall from Chief Sports Fishing. And Captain Chris, tell us about what's happening on the Chief now that the tuna season is upon us. It's here and it's time to go on the Chief. For those that are not familiar with the vessel, she's an 85 by 24 deluxe sport fisher that offers a wide variety of open party trips ranging from one to five days in length. We're also available for private group charters. The Chief's onboard anemones include a fully remodeled galley with comfortable seating for 25, twin flat screen TVs with hundreds of movies, two roomy indoor heads with fresh hot water showers, stateroom and open berthing areas, an impressively large deck area, 200 scoop bait capacity, we have twin six-ton spray brine fish holds to keep your catch fresh, and our professional courteous crew will go the extra mile to make your trip a memorable one. To view our schedule, log on to H&M Landing at www.hmlanding.com or feel free to give them a call at 619-222-1144. You can also follow us on Facebook. Facebook and at our webpage at chiefsportfishing.com. Hi, my name is Dennis Green, and I always love to talk about fishing. When I want the real information, I go to Rod and Real Radio. Those guys are who I thought they were. Welcome back to Rod and Real Radio, everyone. Hey, we are speaking with Charles Sims. He is a professional bass angler. And he has the distinction of being one of only two Canadian anglers that has qualified for a Bassmaster Classic in Bassmaster history. And it is indeed a pleasure to have him on. And Charles, again, welcome to Rod and Reel Radio. Happy to be here. All right. Hey, Charles, uh, before we uh, you know, talk about just the road that you had to take in order to qualify for the Classic, was there an aha moment that you had uh, when before you know the uh, uh, the 2015 2016 uh, year that you just said to yourself, "This is what I want to do"? Because obviously, becoming a professional angler is a commitment like any other occupation that you have in life. Yeah. Well, I just just to, to speak to that kind of professional angler thing. I did qualify through the Bass Nation, which is more of a grassroots amateur level. I'm uh, I'm still fully functionally employed and <laughs> have not made that jump to the professional status yet. All right, and and, yeah. and can I say, do you do you want to plug uh, somebody, or, or what are you doing uh, when uh, you're not bass fishing? Uh, well, I'm uh, I'm a computer programmer for the Canadian government. Um, right. You know, it's it's a great job that affords me. Uh, the time and money to invest in this hobby, this crazy bass fishing hobby uh, profession that we pursue. Well, all I can tell you is in talking with, uh, you know, the hundreds of professional anglers I've had over the course of uh, doing this radio show and running tournaments, keep your receipts, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that I do, that I do. I, I mean, even today, I've, you know, hey, I, the watch show. Sorry, go ahead, John. I, I, I know at the, in the beginning of 2015, everyone has it in the back of their mind. I, you know, I'm fishing. I, I want to go to the, the Bassmaster Classic. Many are called, fewer chosen. 
tell us the road that got you to at least qualifying for this major bass fishing event. Um, yeah, sure. It's actually kind of a funny story because I, I, I was really kind of, uh, I don't want to say upset or downtrodden, but not excited about the choices of water that, that were on the road I had to follow. So if we backtrack to 2014, I competed in our provincial championship. Now that's uh, 200 anglers from the 28 or so bass clubs across Ontario to form our 12-man team, Team Ontario, to advance to the Eastern Nationals, which uh, the Eastern Nationals were held on the Connecticut River in Hartford. And uh, the Connecticut River in Hartford, after doing some research and looking at past tournament results, I realized it was an extremely tough, tough fishery and uh, wasn't excited to go there, didn't really expect to do well, but, you know, I, I, that didn't stop me from trying my hardest and, and, and researching and competing and practicing. And uh, so that event was actually three days, and my weight over those three days was 16 pounds. Wow. Can you imagine <laughs> so 16 pounds was enough for me to uh, to top the rest of the members of Team Ontario, which made me the Ontario representative, essentially the Canadian representative, at the Bass Nationals on uh, Washtaw River in Louisiana. And, uh, again, I wasn't too excited to get down there. It's, it's again, a smaller fish fishery. But, uh, you know, I gathered some great information. I had some great help from uh, last year's contender, Doug Brownridge. Um, and I went into that event kind of knowing, you know, I needed about 10 pounds a day uh, to really have a shot. And uh, for those that don't know, the, the Bass National Championship, Bass Nation Championship, is the top angler, one representative from, I believe, 40... 48 states and about nine countries. Wow. Um, divided up into six divisions. Uh, one winner, the top person in each division, advanced to the Bassmaster Classic. So uh, we had a little a little extra competition in our division. Uh, Paul Mueller, the elite, elite angler, won the event last year sure. uh, and got a buy into it. So... Uh, he was there. He was there like everyone else. He earned his way in, and he was competing for a Bassmaster spot. And, uh, you know, I put, I put seven days, hard days of practice and three tournament days on the water and, uh, you know, managed to uh, managed to pull it off. Well, tell us, before you got there, I know that uh, you are uh, sponsored by many great companies. I, I noticed one of them is like Spro... Uh, 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 were you were you able were you able to talk to some of the pros that you know with the companies that you sponsor and, and try to get some type of input before you got there on techniques and things to do or did you go on your just your gut feeling that hey this is where my strong points are and I'm going to find ways to fish uh, that are really um, uh, you know geared towards my strength and hope I can do well on them. Um, you know, actually, I, I relied on information available on the Internet. Um, we live in a great time where uh, you can research past events, um, read about how other anglers have done well, 
and really get a true deep insight on a body of water before you even get there. Um, up here in Canada, I'm more of a finesse guy. We do a lot of drop shotting. I live within, I'm probably 40 minutes from one of the best smallmouth fisheries uh, in the world right now. You know, Lake Ontario and the St. Lawrence sure. are just pumping out four, five, six-pound smallies consistently. Um, but going there, I knew it was going to be a power fishing kind of thing. We're fishing dirty water. Uh, it's going to be a lot of crankbait and spinnerbait stuff, stuff that I typically don't throw. I typically shy away from. A lot of our lakes are very weedy, so I don't get that crankbait going very much. But once I got down there and I was actually throwing one of the baits uh, I was throwing and caught most of my fish on was a little spro or uh, sorry, Jackal Bling 55 in, uh, there was a lot of uh, threadfin shad there. So they had a fantastic threadfin shad color that matched it perfectly. Um, so as for information gathering, you know, using the internet, using stuff like Google Earth to study the river, study the lake, whatever lake you're going to, and, of course, the uh, the incredible mapping available on Navionics. It just makes the job so much easier once you get there. Oh, that that is great now. And, you know, that was one question I had for you because where you were fishing is probably a lot dirtier or, uh, let's say, more stained water than you're probably used to fishing. I, I, I know I've fished the Boundary Country a lot, and I know you get a lot of stained water from uh, decomposing organic material and everything like that, but boy, when you get down to Louisiana, there's a lot more algae, algae, a lot more mud, just a lot more everything. It, you're fishing in chocolate milk, probably, and compared to what you're used to fishing. Yeah, in a lot of places, and I, I think it's a lot the sand base. Once once that water starts moving, moving the sand around, it really kind of muddies up the water and dirties up the water. Uh, like I said, that's why I was depending on a reaction bite on most of my fishing. You know, working a, working a crankbait over trees and logs and, uh, working a spinnerbait through some treetops. It was different fishing, but, you know, to be successful in the fishing kind of industry, to, to go from lake to lake, you have to learn to adjust a little bit and be versatile. It's good to have your strengths, but you gotta be able to do it all. You know, tell me about the availability of fishing gear. In uh, uh, in Canada and especially in Ottawa, where you live, I mean, uh, you know, down here in the lower 48, we've got Cabela's, Bass Pro Shop, Dick's Academy. You got mom pop stores all over the place. You, you, they're all filled with uh, bass fishing equipment. They're all fish, filled with different rods and reels and everything like that. Do you have that type of accessibility to fishing oh, here in oh, Canada? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, we have we can get anything we need. Um, we Bass Pro Shop is now uh, has two or three locations in Ontario. There's uh, tons of fantastic, you know, uh, private retailers. Uh, one of our best locally, Paltails Tackle. They uh, the owner Ed is just he's he caters to bass fishermen. He will if he doesn't have it, he'll bring it in for you. Um, uh, he's, you know, he just, he loves the bass fishing world. And so and so yesterday actually threw his annual, uh, his annual customer appreciation day. So there was about a hundred guys down there loading up on, uh, deep fried turkey and sharing bass tips. Nice. But even, even as things that just, uh, you know, we got stores like Canadian Tire has a fantastic fishing department. Uh, Sale is one of our big 
chain retailers that has just about everything you can need. Um, yeah, so there's definitely no limitation to uh, to fishing gear. Well, tell us a little bit about now how you approach the uh, uh, the Wachita River. Uh, uh, again, a body of water that did you say it was 1,600 miles or 1,600 kilometers away from you? 1,600 miles. Wow! So that is miles. that 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 is a a bunch. How did you approach the the pre fish and and tell us a little bit about how the tournament went for you? Um, you know, I, I started with every every event I go to. I kind of research past results and and trying to figure what I need to be catching to do well out there. Um, and the Wachita River last few years in a multi day tournament, ten pounds a day is going to win. So it was quite an adjustment to go for. Typically, you need twenty to twenty two pounds to win an event locally. To go there and be targeting pound and a half to two pound fish and be happy catching those but uh over time i did uh there's tons of information on the watch river plus like i said i drew from our national contender last year doug brownridge and there's a few key areas and key patterns that are typically uh typically producing there's a river off the watch river called the darbone bayou and the darbone bayou is typically where the events are won there's bigger fish in there it's fed from the Darbone Lake, which is stocked with Florida strain largemouth. So you, you get these fish, if they make it over the spillway, over the dam, you now get those bigger strain of fish in there. And uh, I believe like four or five of the top bags were up in the Darbone Bayou. Uh, one of the other key patterns was further south on the river, um, you know, 40 to 50 miles south, there's a lot of wood in the water. There's still standing trees from the when the dams were built, and uh, that's another key pattern is spinnerbaiting these treetops and crankbaiting the wood on the shore. And I spent five days of pre-practice up there, and what I found was I could get bigger fish in the Darbone Bayou, but I really wasn't comfortable getting a limit. Whereas on the south end of the lake, I was getting a limit a lot easier, but it was more close to that 8 to 10-pound range. Uh, so once the tournament rolled around, I made the decision to focus on the southern end of the river where I can target that 8 to 10-pound range, and, uh, and you know, that would keep me in the hunt, and I can kind of make adjustments as the event went forward. So getting out there, first day of the tournament, I mean, you can imagine how pumped you are. You're running down the river. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning. There's There isn't a breeze. You're all alone, and you start to think, oh, my goodness, I'm three days away from the Bassmaster Classic. This is the biggest event of my life right now. And I had a phenomenal uh, second hour of the morning. I actually caught all my weight and had uh, over 11 pounds, which in an event where 10 pounds a day is typically going to win, I guess my heart was racing, my stomach was turning. I was so excited. Uh, so when I got back to weigh-in, I was, I believe I was sitting about 7th. People were blown away with the fish that were coming in. In a one-year span from November last year where it was tough to get a limit and limits were typically 8 to 9 pounds, in this event, 95% of the field had a limit and there was several 12, 13, 14-pound bags. How big was the field, Charles? Uh, we were 59 anglers. Okay. 59 anglers. So there was uh, representatives from, as I said, every state, almost every state, 
and several countries from Canada, Spain, Italy, Portugal, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Australia. And uh, there's kind of a different feeling in the air at this event. And we, we talked about this. I've talked about this with a few people. Uh, the the com- competition is definitely there. But because we've all come up through the kind of grassroots amateur rank, there was a little bit more of a brotherhood and, you know, excitement to be there. And, uh, you know, I met fantastic people from all over the U.S. and all these countries. I'm, I made lifelong friends from Florida and Wyoming and Colorado. And, you know, you, you get, we're fishermen, right? We're, it's a brotherhood. Yeah, Charles, say hey, uh, we got to take another break. Can you stay on for another segment with us? Yeah, for sure, definitely. Hey, we are speaking with uh, Charles Sims. He is only the second Canadian angler to ever make it to the Bassmaster Classic, and he's telling his tale on how he made it there. Hey, originally we had uh, Captain Ray Summers from Vendetta Sports Fishing scheduled to come on on the next segment of Ron Real Radio. He uh, let us know uh, uh, kind of at the last minute that he had an emergency, couldn't make it on. So we've asked Charles to stay with us, and he's kindly accepted. So, Charles, we... We appreciate you taking a little bit extra time to be with us. Uh, hey, we're going to take a break right now. This is Ron Real Radio on AM 540 or at com. Stay tuned. More to come after these messages. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. Hey, bass fishermen, who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the bass boat program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right. You only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASSBOAT. Call 1-800-227-7262, or just spell BASSBOAT. 1-800-BASSBOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free, and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASSBOAT, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. My angler aged to earth. Like the mighty flounder, I will keep one eye on the pole and the other watching for rogue waves. I'll save water by taking shorter showers and enthusiastically celebrate talk like a pirate day. Aye. I will chat up the locals before launching in unfamiliar waters. And I will always, always wear my life jacket. What's your H2O? Tell us at BoatCalifornia.com. The California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterway reminds you to wear it, California. It's tuna time. 
and it's time to reserve your spot on one of the newest boats in the fleet, the 70-foot Sea Adventure 2 at H&M Landing in San Diego. It has a really comfortable galley that seats up to 24 passengers with all the comforts of home, including two big satellite flat-screen TVs and satellite phone. The huge new bait tank and slammer ensure plenty of bait for everyone, and two four-ton refrigerated fish holds, both RSW and blast-free, have plenty of room to keep your catch as fresh as the minute you caught it. Reserve your spot on the Sea Adventure 2 online at hmlanding.com or call H&M Landing at 619-222-1144. Welcome back to Rod Real Radio. Hey, we've asked professional angler Charles Sims to stay with us for another segment. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Ray Summers was scheduled to be with us. He had an emergency, couldn't make it, so... Charles was good enough to stay with us. He's calling us from Ottawa, Canada. He is only the second Canadian angler to qualify for the Bassmaster Classic. Charles was talking a little bit about how he did qualify to the Classic, fishing uh, the Wachita River down in Louisiana. First day, he found that uh, he thought he did pretty well, uh, considering what past year's results were, but found that he had a lot of other anglers on his tail, and and Charles, take it away after that. Uh, well, after day one, I was sitting in uh, in uh, second place in the Eastern Division. And this event's a little bit different, whereas, you know, you're stri- most events you're striving to win, the real goal, deep down goal in this event is to win your division. Yeah. Um, so I was second behind Paul Mueller, probably about half a pound back, maybe three quarters of a pound back. Um the first morning I had, I had a fantastic, you know, 8 to 9 a.m. period, but I kind of struggled throughout the rest of the day, so I was a little nervous uh, returning back to my, uh, my shallow crankbait and my standing timber spinnerbait pattern because I really, it wasn't producing as well as it did in practice. Plus, there was a few other people doing it, so when you start cutting fish like that, sharing fish, it, it affects everybody. And Were you uh, fine? Were you finding on those lures where the colors uh, that you were used to fishing up in the east, were the colors the same? Uh, was the technique the same, or did you have to adjust a little bit? Um, I adjusted a little bit in that most of my baits up here are, uh, I, I like more subdued kind of natural baits. We have a lot of, uh, our water's crystal, crystal clear um, with the influx of uh, zebra mussels. Uh, it has really cleared up the water. Um, so a lot of my, when I'm throwing jerk baits and crank baits, they're a lot in that kind of ghost minnow, kind of, you know, brownish, translucent. And my plastics, I'm sticking, you know, black and blue and, of course, green pumpkin. Okay. Uh, natural like that. When I got down there and I was throwing that, uh, that Blink 55, I went with this silver, it's almost like a mirror finish on it. Just to provide that extra bit of flash, there were these massive, massive balls of, uh, of like probably two to three inch uh, shad everywhere, and this Bling 55 imitated those per- perfectly. And of course, the spinnerbait I was going pretty natural with the spinnerbait, just silver blades with uh, kind of a white and silver skirt on it. All right. Well, now, uh, what were your feelings going into day two, and what did happen? Well, day two, I was actually pretty nervous about my uh, about my, my my bite. I felt it was going away, and 
my fears ended up coming to fruition. I only actually landed five keepers on day two, and two of those just barely touched that 12-inch line. Um, and I came in with, you know, six, just over six and a quarter pounds, which was uh, a little disheartening. But everybody seemed to struggle a little bit on day two, and I maintained the second position in the Eastern Division. Although I went from being three-quarters of a pound back to four and three-quarter pound back. Wow. So Which that must have been massive. a little a little discouraging for you. Yeah, oh yeah, it was a massive deficit to make up and uh and you know, I started feeling like I was I was out of it. I I you know, to make up that kind of weight is just almost unheard of. Um but so go, going... I wasn't gonna give up. I was there, you know, I was there for a purpose and uh I sat down and I thought about it and obviously I wasn't going back to that fantastic water that produced six pounds for me. <laughs> I had to make an adjustment for game day two. Well, going and, into that that third day, had had the conditions changed as opposed to day one, to day two? And you know that uh, you know you had been in unproductive water. Did you kind of how, how did you figure out where to go and and to approach uh, day three? Well, the, the conditions definitely changed going into that last day. We went from, uh, you know, sunny, warm days. Uh, I I'm, I'm, don't have the conversion handy, but it was like 26 Celsius most of the practice in the tournament. So, you know, that was up around, we were in the uh, the, the high 70s, mid to high 70s. Um, to the final day of the tournament, it had dropped down to, to, you know, 60, 55, 60 degrees and just rain, 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 rain. Wow. Uh, and and the area, that area of Louisiana, uh, when I got down there, I talked to some of the locals. You know, got got an idea of what had been going on, and they had actually gone a uh, hundred and ten days without rain. I remember one of the uh, the ranger dealer I popped in there, and he told me that. Um, but in the two weeks leading up to the tournament, they actually got over eight inches of rain. So that kind of changed the environment a little bit. And in one specific area where when the water gets high and you get fresh water flowing into the Darbone Bayou, it historically turns the fish on. So that was my gamble day three. I was going to uh, to an area where I knew there were some bigger fish, but I wasn't confident I can get a limit. And uh, with that rain, that, that that fresh water coming in, it actually turned the fish on a little bit more. And, uh, you know, I got into the area. It was about an hour, 40-minute run, idling over logs. And uh, at one point, there was a tree, two trees that had fallen across the river, and there was about a 15-foot space to put your boat through. So you're up on the trolling motors. You know, this was a bit of a trek to get into. Um, But once I got there, uh, I started working that same Bling 55 crankbait, and uh, I just had a flurry of fish catching i think at one point i meant 10 casts in a row which is probably some of the most fun fishing i'd had in 10 days in louisiana now of course they weren't all bass you know i think i got uh, i got a two pound spot and i got like a pound and a half spot and then a two and a half pound largey and i was starting to feel like you know maybe i'd made the right decision uh paul had that four and three quarter pound lead on me and i felt like you know, he'd never brought in less than 10 pounds on this body of water. 
So I figured I needed 15 pounds to even have a shot. Uh, after about an hour, that crankbait bite shut off, and I was only getting short fish and and uh, non-bass. Like the, there was lots of drum and white bass and catfish, and you know the area was just alive with life. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of proud of this. I I decided to put down the crankbait and go to a, a standard Canadian technique for smallmouth, and I pulled out a simple smoke and copper flake tube jig, rigged it on an open hook, and kind of started picking the area apart a little more carefully. And uh, almost immediately that put a three-pound largemouth in my boat, and I had another one about two pounds. And I was really getting excited because I had 12 pounds in the box. Wow. And, and I was like, wow, this, this is going to work out. All I need is one more big bite, and I know they're here. I know there's four or five, six-pounders in this area. I just need one of those fish. But being that far from way in, I was running out of time. And that, uh, I think I had to be in at 2.45, and I think I pulled the plug at about 12.45. I gave myself two hours to get back in. Uh, going in, I had 12 pounds. I kind of felt like I'd blown my chances with my less than spectacular performance on day two. And I was, I was okay with that. I tried my hardest. I did my best and I was willing to accept wherever I ended up. And then when I bumped into Paul at the weigh in, when we were kind of waiting to be pulled out of the water and he asked me what I had, and I told him and he told me and he said, congratulations, you're going to the classic. <laughs> and I, and I got this lump in my throat and my stomach did flips and I doubled over and I looked at him and I said, Paul, don't mess with me. <laughs> you don't, you don't kid about stuff like this. And he said, no, you're going. Well, let's cut to but, the chase because uh, we're, we're going to be running short on time. Uh, Charles, uh, what happened up there at the scales? You know, I got up there with my 12 pounds and uh, fortunately or unfortunately, Paul had a tough day and he only had six pounds. Oh my! And and that gave me uh, just under a pound win over him, and gave me that spot to advance to the classic. Wow, that is uh, fantastic! Uh, now, for uh, for winning this event, was there also some seed money that might help pay your expenses to to get to Oklahoma? Uh, in the actual standings, I was uh, I was about tenth, so there wasn't that much prize money. The the winner, Albert Collins, did an awesome job, and he walked away with a forty thousand dollar boat. So congratulations to him. But uh, you know, I, I I have to give a huge shout out to the the anglers of Ontario, the members of the Ontario Bass Federation. Sure. Um, it's a huge, huge financial undertaking to go on this event with the, the exchange on a dollar. And, you know, the, there was fundraisers, there was raffles. Um, everybody's been getting behind me and, and, and supporting me as I, as I move through this journey. Uh, and it's not just me. It's every year, every national contender has this kind of support. But to, to actually experience it, it's... Uh, it, it's it's very warming to see the anglers helping each other out. So a uh, big thank you out to all the anglers of Ontario that have supported me in chasing this dream. Hey, ha- uh, tell me, have you thought about uh, asking uh, your employer for those days off yet? <laughs> uh, we uh, we did have our first little discussion about that, and uh, 
and he understands. They understand that I need it, and uh, we're going to work something out. Uh, all right. Yeah. Well, needless to say, we got Charles Simsey, professional angler from uh, Ottawa, Canada, only the second Canadian to ever qualify for the Bassmaster Classic, and. You know, Charles can't do this without support from a lot of people. You mentioned the bass clubs and everything like that, but how about your sponsors that have helped you get oh, you to where you are? You know, are? it's uh, like, like I've kind of stepped up to the front of the boat back in 13 years ago, and the companies that have backed me have been phenomenal. Uh, Hummingbird and Minkota have been great. Um, I run a Ranger in Evinrude, uh supplied through Orleans Boat World, our local dealer, and you know, that allows me to push 100 miles a day if I have to. I have the confidence in that, that equipment. And, of course, manufacturers like Shimano is making incredible rods and reels and the jackal baits that really played a key role in, in getting to where I got in these nationals. Oh, great. That's and, Charles, if, if, if we want to follow just exactly what you're doing, and especially when it comes up closer and closer to the Bassmaster Classic, how can we go about doing that? Well, I'm in the process of updating my website, charleston.com. Um, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. And I really hope to, uh, I really hope to have everyone follow along there and enjoy this journey with me. Well, Ron Real Radio is going to be following you, Charles, and we hope that we can get to the Bassmaster Classic because uh, we do broadcast a lot of times from the major uh, bass events. And uh, I look forward to the opportunity to be able to meet you and, and hope you can come on out here to the West Coast because we've got a smallmouth fisher out here we're pretty proud of. It's called Lake Havasu. Tell me, uh, any, uh, any inkling that you might uh, bump up to the Elite Series? You know, there's a, there is an elite invite floating around. Uh, I believe Albert's going to take it. But there's, uh, you know, if it ever gets in front of me, I think I'd take it. I think I would take it to take my shot. All right. Hey, Charles Sims, a Canadian qualifier for the 2016 Bassmaster Classic. Charles, thanks for spending some of your Sunday night with us. And the best of luck of all of us from out here in Southern California. Thank you. It was fantastic. It was great to meet you. All right. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, that's it for tonight. So on behalf of Stan, Wendy, myself, JR in the AM540 studios, uh, Ben here in uh, San Diego, and always Big Tuna Bill, Eddie McEwen, thank you for this legacy you left us. That was Rod and Reel Radio. We want to thank you listeners for listening tonight. Thank you for being with us. Keep safe. Go out there and get them. They're getting away, as Kevin Minio used to say. Stay safe on the water. We look forward to seeing you out there. We're out for now. Good night, everybody.